And welcome to another edition of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight, your retro talk network. I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. On today's show, we visit with John Fox at Copa FM. Ian Rose talks to us about U.S. Grant. That and the old bits on this edition of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. And welcome once again to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We're very pleased to have you with us. We're all here with you. we got a good show lined up for you, Mike. We, You and I made a visit not too long ago to visit our friend John Fox. North County, San Diego was where our road trip took us that afternoon. And our old friend John Fox, you may know the name out there, some of you uh, radio purists who call in or email. John Fox has been all around the radio spectrum, worked in about every engineering capacity and on-air capacity you can think of on west coast radio what i admire most about john right now is he put together copa fm it's 91.3 the radio station is owned by the paula band of mission indians and it's a new station he's done a bang-up job building it from the ground up they couldn't have found the more perfect candidate to start a station from scratch from the ground up this guy is the encyclopedia of how to do radio right and he's doing it right out there they've got a low watt fm station but i'll tell you what you get out there and you treat your ears to the sounds that John's putting out through that station. Not only is he doing music, and good music, but he's doing local color, personalities, features, everything. It just, listen to this show. I get up there about once a week on other work duties, and I tune in the show. It's how FM radio in L.A. used to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tip my hat to John and all he's doing and his crew out there. Well, we went to visit John, and uh, he surprised us by actually putting our interview that we were going to do with him on the air live on COPA when we were there. And let's go ahead and listen to that now. Res Radio 91.3. My name's COPA John, and we have a live in-studio guest that we thought we'd just go ahead and break in and do a little bit of talking here. Actually, they came down wanting to interview me, and now we're going to do it back and forth and kind of a two-way thing going here. So <laughs> what we have is uh, Smitty and Mike from our own Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight Show, which you hear Wednesdays at uh, 12.30, and uh, you're going to be hearing it again tonight at 11.30, right before the old-time radio hour. How are you doing, Mr. Smitty? Doing pretty good. Uh, John, how are you doing today? Oh, very good, very good. good. And Mike, Mike is here, too. He's going to be a wallflower. not going to bother to turn yeah. on his mic right now. Mike's huh? taking some pictures right now, but uh, we're very pleased to be here with you, John. We want to thank you for uh, allowing us to come visit you and see this fine station. This is really a great operation you got going here. You know, for a startup, it's not bad. I wanted to ask you, talk to us a little bit about your career, your early experiences. Actually, it was right here in North County. And, you know, Fallbrook is one of the coolest places in the world to grow up if you're a fan of radio. Because you're midway between San Diego and L.A., you get to hear both. I mean, a lot of people growing up in San Diego, you know, they remember KGB and all that. But I got to hear KHJ and KEZY and some of the greats up in that KGBS uh-huh. Yes. You know, the hullabaloo or Dave Hall, sure. guys like that in L.A. that San Diego's never heard of. Growing up, I got to hear all of them because oh, of that, that location in between. And then in, in about uh, high school, it uh, came about that Fallbrook was going to get a, a radio station. And so, hey, here's my big opportunity. i got to go find out what this is all about. And somebody posted a sign down on Main Street, like, this is the place it's going to be. So I started investigating. Being that age, I didn't know anything about the FCC or the legalities or the whole you know, thing about the business of putting together a radio station. So I just figured, hey, this is going to be it. Turns out there was two competing applicants, 
and I hooked up with the wrong one. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I had to wait another year or so until I went over to Palomar and got an internship at the Vista Station. Okay. But that's how I got into it, yeah. Great. Right here locally in North County. This is really neat coming here because this is a small station. It's a community station. This is kind of what radio was back in the 40s and the 50s, a small local station serving the local community. Now, this station just came on the air in February, right? We were talking yeah, about Yeah, we're just two months into it. How did you get involved in this station, in building this station from the ground up? I've been with the tribe for just about a little over six months now. So, obviously, I wasn't in from the beginning because it takes years oh, to yes. go through the red tape involved in putting a station on. And this is a full Class A station. Basically, it's the 6,000-watt class. Mm-hmm. We don't get to run nearly as much power because the frequencies, the spectrum is so crowded in Southern California. So we're pretty much limited to just the valley here. Mm-hmm. So we're only going about maybe five, six miles in either direction up and down the valley. And with mountain limitations north and south, only a mile or two. But, uh, you know, there's a possibility of increasing things in the future. The, one of the really difficult things about engineering a station in Southern California and the reason there are no Class C FMs, which is the 100,000-watt uh, model, is because of Mexico mm-hmm. and proximity to the border and you know treaties back and forth between the U.S. and Mexico about the use of the spectrum. So uh, we're obviously right next to uh, 91X on the dial, and you know that's a big concern. I mean, it's actually more difficult to try to engineer around Mexican stations than it is U.S. stations because you're dealing with cross-border relationships. In two different governments. And I guess in the San Diego County area, we're kind of in a unique position, too, not only because of Mexico, but also because of the Los Angeles market, which is so saturated. Mm-hmm. So, And you actually have some grandfathered stations up there. There's only one in San Diego, but there's several in Los Angeles mm-hmm. that are you know, seemingly higher power than you know what is the norm in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So basically you've got Class A's and Class B's in FM, which mm-hmm. is either the 6,000-watt Class A or the 50,000-watt Class B. But back to what you were saying, one of the reasons... I got involved here uh, had to do with the 2007 fires. And ironically, that is the reason the tribe wanted the radio station as well. What had happened was uh, the fires, the, actually the Rice Canyon fire mm-hmm. was the one that affected me personally. This uh, Here at the uh, reservation, you know, they had fires on both sides of them, the Rice Canyon and the Pumacha fire. And my mother lost her home oh. over in Fallbrook in the 2007 fire. She was quite elderly. We had to move her to a place that we'd been considering anyway. But she was never quite the same. Mm-hmm. Wasn't ready to leave her home. It was her life for you know, almost 40 years. And she passed on just over a year ago. We were actually doing kind of a memorial drive. You know, we used to go out to the desert and look at the wildflowers every spring. And like the day before, I had actually seen a notice for the job here as station manager in a trade uh, blog. And as we came back from the desert that day, we stopped here at the Pala Casino uh, for dinner. And my wife and I were talking, and I mentioned, you know, I saw this job advertised. And she said, well, you should apply. I mean, we're on the drive honoring your mom, the fire, back into Fallbrook. Why don't you apply for it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. And I have to backtrack a little bit. One of my mother's last requests, <clears throat> it was a weird one, was one day she wanted. I want bananas Foster. I feel like bananas Foster. <laughs> I need some brandy. I got to make some bananas Foster. <laughs> and we're sitting at the casino discussing whether or not we, sh- you know, I should apply for the job. And over there at the buffet, we walk over there, and at the dessert counter, they've got the, the you know the the dry erase board, and it says the special of the day. 
is Bananas Foster. I'll be darned. How about that? So that was it. That was Got it. to apply for yeah, the job. So yeah. it went through the process. And then come to find out that one of the tribe's big reasons for wanting the station is because of the confusion and the lack of accurate information on the day of those fires back in mm-hmm. 2007, the same fire that you know burned my mom out of her right, house, right. was the reason they wanted a radio station here. Because, as you know, when you get a group of people and you give the first one a message, have them repeat it to the next one, repeat it down the line. By the time you get about 10 or 15 people down the line, you've got an unrecognizable message. That's right. Yeah, you've got to have mass communication like radio in an emergency to get the the word out accurately. And like in the old days, radio gets through where television or other media does not get through. Right. And as you may have noticed walking up here, we've got a gigantic generator out there. So with that and our excellent fire department here and emergency services that have developed over the last few years, Yeah, we're, we're trying to be as prepared as possible the next time something awful like that happens. Yeah. Mike and I are very impressed with what we're seeing here. I mean, th- these, this is a small station, but it's very nice. It's very concise, and, uh, you know, you've done a fantastic job here. Hey, you know, it's the world's best director set. <laughs> we were talking about that on the way up here. Mike and I were talking. Mike, you need to say a couple words here. I'm, uh, Mike is Mike is taking pictures right now. For um, a guy named Mike, you certainly don't seem to like microphones very much. <laughs> But uh, we were talking on the way up here about erector sets and uh, that this is certainly a, would be a fun erector set for uh, someone you know, to put together. And yeah, to my first day of work, I showed up here and they showed me the studios and there was boxes, just cardboard oh boxes everywhere. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. And yeah. within a few days, we had the furniture built and then within a week or two, we got a, a contract engineer to come help wire things and... Oh, it's been off to the races ever since. That's great. Well, Mike, uh, we were talking about uh, erector sets. Yes, we were, and this is the best one and the most high-tech I've ever seen. And we did a re- recent story on border blasters. Right. Now we can do a story on reservation blasters. Is there any other radio stations out? Well, there on are reservation. a total of about 30 or 35 native stations. Okay. And because of the window of opportunity uh, for filing, because you can't just file for a radio station anytime you want. The FCC opens up windows. There was a push a couple of years ago to start enrolling native stations and create native stations. So we're actually one of the first of that wave. In fact, I think we may have actually been slightly ahead of the wave. There's supposed to uh, be about another 30 or 35 going on the air within the next 12 to 18 months. That's what I understood. I read in the trades that there was going to be a trend, and this was, what, three, four years ago. But this was the first one that actually, that I know of, that's come together. Mm And the best part about it, we talk about old school on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. This is old school. This is how it was done. Somebody would get an idea for a station, put it together, and they were the communication medium long before Internet, email, texting, TVs. The radio was how you got your news. Exactly. And I am so impressed with, with what the, the plan is here. But to have a yeah. station that could go on live in the event of, uh, you know, a rock slide, sure. a flood, a heavy yeah. storm. It wouldn't just be a fire. You guys would be a... All things to all people in this mm-hmm. in this canyon we're in. And being a non-commercial community station, we're not worried about ratings. We're worried about serving the community. And what better way to serve the community than by local people getting on and, you know, talking about their hobbies, their interests, their uh, opinions, you know, politics, or just something fun like cooking or uh, tinkering on their old 59 Ford, whatever. Sure. That's interesting in a community radio station. Yeah. And we've got listeners from all over, all the genres, uh, high rod collectors. Everybody. Guys who tour the car shows, the specialists in flea markets. Uh, here's a place. John will put you on some airtime, and you can talk about your passion, which chances are there's a lot of other people with the same passion. You can get that experience that you're always emailing us about. 
trying to get into our, our Galaxy Nostalgia Network studio. <laughs> and if you include Ian and we get rid of all of the laundry out of the closet, we might be able to fit you we in. We might. Please send your description and your, especially your weight. <laughs> exactly. And we have to get Ian to uh, clean up all the uh, breadcrumbs around his chair and... Uh, all the candy wrappers. Yes. <laughs> uh, We're good. Well, how do people contact you again, John, if they think they've got a good storyline, a good program they'd like to put over the air here at uh, COPA? 91.3 at polytribe.com. Just give me an email. I guarantee I will get back to you. We'll talk about what you had in mind, what your hopes and goals and ambitions are, and take it from there. That's wonderful, and we're very uh, thankful to you, John, for uh, carrying Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside on on Copa, and we're very happy that we're also able to be a part of this community and maybe share some of our interest and some of our knowledge with your listeners. Appreciate it. So it's it's just a a great uh, thing that we're looking forward to making long term. You know what I've noticed about nostalgic mm-hmm. kind of things like you're talking about not even just the people but some of the items is it's so good to visit some of these things and to remember and even to uh, just kind of bask in the moment of that particular thing because chances are at some point down the line it's going to be gone Uh, one of the things we're going to do around here in Pala is dip into the archives some of the uh, interviews done with uh, elders some of whom are now gone that are you know archived in the cultural center we want to get those out and, and get them on the air because as the time goes by and as these people go, going back and listening to it and, you know, enjoying the glow of the time, just it grows as, mm-hmm. as time goes by. Mm-hmm. Don't you find that, you know, when somebody who is really, truly interesting is gone, it seems like their, their aura grows even oh, after they're gone. Oh, sure, yeah. And, and the interesting thing, John, about uh, living today and uh, the fact that uh, even going back to the beginnings of the era of recorded sound, we're able to go back and listen to the voices of these people that may have passed away many, many years ago. And what, we, what I always like to tell people is that that's living history. These are people that lived through that. They had the first-hand experience. I remember my aunt passed away a couple of years ago. She would tell me stories about when they were uh, living during World War II. And that's something that you can't get out of a book. It's not like opening up a book and reading about a king dying or a war or something in the past. This is living history. You know, the other thing that I tell people is, wouldn't it be wonderful if if we had recordings of Abraham Lincoln or if we had recordings of George Washington or if we had recordings of, you know... uh, So really, we're fortunate that we have an interest in nostalgia, that we have access to the technology, and that recorded sound has been with us now for so many years. We can actually listen to these voices. And we're bringing that back, those memories and those people, but it's great. We're trying to keep it alive, the memories, the music, the sounds, the times, the essence. I am so excited to hear about the history of the reservation. There's so much rich history here. I remember we'd go, when my daughters were small, we'd go and we'd make it a yearly event on Easter to go to the mission and just see some of the dates and the ages and there are people there's history that if you don't capture and this may be the mechanism to capture those memories because a lot of these people who are descendants are dying off now Mm -hmm. and when they're gone they're gone there are no recordings there's no documentation there may be a shoebox full of photographs somewhere we don't know they could and like you say these horrible fires and floods and people moving and moving away and dying off a lot of these memories are gone but to the original way, I mean, thousands of years ago, how people kept memories going, and that was by word of mouth, which is what we're all doing here. We're talking about the days of, of radio, the days of TV, and, and this is coming back because people are hungry to hear about how do we get here. This technology is cool. We can go over to Fry's right now and for 300 bucks, basically set up an audio station that can broadcast to anybody with an Internet connection in the world. 
that part's easy. It's bringing the content back. Yeah. That's really the challenge, which is what's keeping us busy. Maybe the common thread all, all along to get people talking again to each other was the thread of pop culture. Yeah. I talked to my dad about stuff that happened in World War II when oh, he was yeah. growing up in the 50s. And, you know, and, and my kids talk to me about stuff. It's good for young people to have an interest in history because you're going to know where you're going by where culture has been. And thank goodness for technology because, as you were mentioning, don't, don't you wish we had recordings of Abraham Lincoln? Oh, yeah. Well, at least we have photos. Yes. You know, a picture tells a thousand words. You look at a, a portrait of Abraham Lincoln, you can read the history of the country, of the uh, Civil War, in his face. You certainly can. It's really a wonderful thing, and it's wonderful to have an appreciation for the past. Just what we really value, like you say, John, is the evolution of the technology. You and I both know what it used to take to run an airshift. Mm-hmm. It was more than one guy sitting there. Now you have a radio station that's probably just a little bigger than a carry-on luggage bag. For you, want, you want to hear something about technology? It blows me away that this radio station here, Res Radio 91.3, can be on the air seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm the only employee. We have some volunteers. We'd like more. But basically, from day one, before we even had any volunteers walk through the door... I had the station running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can control it from anywhere. I have a data connection. I can control it from a laptop. I can log into the computer that you see here in the control room and run it remotely from anywhere. I have equipment that will allow me with that same data connection or even just a cell phone with a 3G connection, you know, creating my own little mobile hotspot to broadcast with nearly the quality you hear on these microphones. Sure. From anywhere. So we're going to do, like, you know, softball tournaments. Here on the reservation, softball is huge. So when they go on the road, we're going to follow them around. When we have things like the hearings on the Gregory Canyon, we're going to go do remote broadcasts from that. And I can do that by myself with nobody back here in the studio. That's amazing. And that's something that you and I, growing up, you know, 60s and 70s, early in early radio and that, that's something you couldn't even imagine because you had to have a staff well, of at least a dozen or 20 or more people. You had several engineers. Well, you, three, four engineers. Everybody chain-smoked. <laughs> everybody. The equipment, your clothes, everything. You'd have five people. This is for an airship and you. And not to mention, you're sitting there broadcasting in a room that's tube-powered. It was probably... On a cool winter day like we've got today, a cool spring day, it was probably 105 degrees inside there. And you're just trying to crank out words and keep those things going nonstop. And, you know, as far as getting volunteers here on Res Radio, that's the one thing that I'm trying to, and I have to impart on people when they do volunteer, is why are you here? What do you want to accomplish? Do you have the burning desire to be part of the kind of archive, the kind of history that we're talking about because, you know, as the moment goes by, you know, you live in the moment, you are history after that moment. Content is everything. Do you want a career in radio? I'll teach you how to do that. Do you just want to be heard by your friends and neighbors? Not a problem, but you got to have something to say. So that's the main thing in volunteering here for a show is I will teach anybody at any skill level and provide you the airtime to be here on Res Radio and heard worldwide on the web with our live streaming. But you got to show me that you've got something to say. And what an opportunity. I wish when I was a kid 
there would have been a, a John Fox and a Res Radio in my neighborhood. I mean, I would have been there 24 hours a day. You wouldn't have been able to pride me out of there. What an opportunity for anybody, whether young or not so young, to have an opportunity to come to a broadcast station, do a show, talk about something that interests you, and learn some very valuable skills. What an opportunity. Well, and the Shotgun Toms, uh, they became the Shotgun Toms because of somebody that took them under the wing. I, I had two guys that helped me, Bill Balance and B. Mitchell Reed. Both of them. They, I, who was I? A 13, 14, 15-year-old kid and go wandering in. This is a close-knit family, right. the family of radio. And you get somebody out there, and they're willing to take you in and let you learn how to do a show. It could be a one-hour show. You're going to find out it takes a whole lot longer than one hour on the air to put one hour on the air. Absolutely, yes. Oh, yeah. And when we talk about content, and I talk about you have to have something to say. I don't mean literally say. I mean, if you want to come in here, mix music, be creative with uh, you know putting together a show thematically, musically, that's fine, you know, if you're maybe a little bit Mike Shire, just want to let the music be the star, that's fine too. Or if you have something to say, literally, you know, you want to pontificate about world affairs or, um, you know, some new gardening technique you've discovered, that's fine. Oh, yeah. Anything is content. It just has to have a point. And as I tell anybody who's trying to um, do, a, uh, for example, a news story or talk about current events, all you have to do is have an opinion and know where you want to end up, and then let the road unfold on the way. What kind of response have you had, John, from uh, the community as far as what the station is doing? Positive. We've got a really odd mix of music in the hours that aren't hosted by local shows or, or network uh, native programming. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, I haven't heard anybody complain. We thank you, John, for allowing us to... Uh, chat with you and to chat with uh, your listeners for a little bit. And get down to see us, too. All right, Smitty and Mike from Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight, and thank you so much. Well, that was an interesting day. That brought back some memories of that afternoon. John Fox has paid his dues, and he's got the dream job that everybody who I've ever known, including myself, yours truly, and I bet I get agreement from all three of us, uh, aspire to. He's out there. He He's in charge. He's delivering a good product. His content is just stellar. He even gets to spend the night there five nights a week. He does, yeah. He's got he's got a good little arrangement there, and the station is really neat. It's it's very nice. It is new. It's it's a great little station. Copa ninety one point three. They also uh, are online, and you can get uh, online and find out about Copa K O P A ninety one point three Res Radio R E Z Res Radio, and they're owned by the Paula Band of Mission Indians. So we thank John Fox once again for allowing us to visit with him. Okay. I think it's time for a retro commercial. I think it's a good idea. Go with Tony the Tiger and get what it takes to start every morning Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes. Those great flakes from Kellogg's have a secret, you know. Toasted in frosting for the cat on the go. Go with Tony the Tiger. Be strong and be fast. Get where you're going and don't get there last. Kellogg's puts more in your morning, more fun. Welcome back to GalaxyMoonbeamNightSight.com. And now, who's buried at Grant's tomb? Ian Rose has the complete answer. Again, that is the complete answer, and that might give you a hint. That's right. This year marks the 150th anniversary of the start of the Civil War. Do you, Gilbert Smith or Mike Bragg, have some observations about that war? Well, yes, I do. Uh, my observation is it seemed like a long, long time ago. 150 years ago, right? And counting. And yes. counting, yes. Well, 
certainly some of the personalities from that time period. President Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, General Sherman, uh, those come to mind. It's funny because you're anticipating my next thought here. (laughs) I read a book recently that said that generally three things won that war, the Civil War, as you mentioned. Abraham Lincoln, General William Tecumseh Sherman, and who else? General U.S. Grant, Ulysses S. Grant. Now, a flop as a civilian, later a less-than-optimum president. We remember him, Grant, for his military career, particularly the Civil War. However, a Napoleon he wasn't. But what he was was someone who stuck to it. Up until him, Lincoln had gone through about a half a dozen generals, and they had flopped. Either they wouldn't get on with it, or if they had, they didn't keep up with it. Unlike his predecessors, Grant would lose a battle and be fighting again the next day. It looks as if he won the war by attrition, that is, wearing down the enemy. The North could potentially put more troops in the field with better equipment and other resources. The South had the genius of Robert E. Lee, and he took a lot of daring risks. But Lee was worn down. Grant won. And Grant was charitable in the South's surrender terms. Nearly a century and a half later, there are physical examples of things that honor him. Grant, his face appears on the $50 bill. So he's actually built sixth among the denominations of our currency. There are also monuments on both coasts. In San Diego, there is the U.S. Grant Hotel. It was built by his son in honor of his dad. They celebrated their centennial last year. Built in 1910, it retains much of its original style today. It's gone through remodelings. Celebrities have spent time there. The hotel once was even home to a commercial radio transmitter. In its heyday, it was a central point in San Diego. It fronts the heart of the city, Horton Plaza. I've been there a number of times myself for news conferences, a wedding, and back in 1972, I actually stayed there. Meanwhile, on the other coast, there is Grant's tomb. And I'm about to give the complete answer to the who's buried at Grant's tomb. In spite of my growing up in central New Jersey and visiting many of the sites of New York City, I'd already missed uh, this tomb many times. It's a bit out of the way of the central core of Manhattan. Finally, I went there a number of years ago. Now, first of all, the tomb is huge, and it's free. As you walk in, there are appropriate items, Grant's life story surrounding the central area. That central area looks over the lower level. That's where the same general and president, Ulysses S. Grant, is buried. Actually, he's not buried. He's in what looks like a stone coffin directly above ground. So he's above and below. Finally, to answer our initial question, who's buried at Grant's tomb, the complete answer is this. Ulysses S. Grant and his wife. One final note, and I stumble on this from HollywoodMemoir.com. March 7th, 2011, Ulysses S. Grant V, the last surviving great-grandson of the 18th president, died at age 90. I'm Ian granting you the grants, Rose. Very good job, Ian. As usual, now we know the answer to who is buried in Grant's tomb. And I guess we have a number of other people that were buried since the last episode of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside. Ian, can you come back in and give us a little update on who is no longer with us? Yes, that was the weekend that was. And I do have the obituary report right here. If I were a member of the mob, I would say it was a weekend that started with a wedding and ended with a whacking. It was a weekend that straddled two months where April went out like a lamb and May came in like a lion. On Friday, April 29th in England, Prince William and Kate Middleton got married and sealed the deal with a kiss. 
on Sunday, May 1st, in Pakistan, Osama bin Laden got shot with the deal was sealed by the SEALs. President Obama did not receive an invitation to the royal wedding Friday, no matter. He stole their thunder Sunday when he announced the death of bin Laden. It was a weekend where the royal family let Kate Middleton in, and a weekend where Navy SEALs took Osama bin Laden out. Other high-profile obituaries include, his nickname was Chuckles, Britain Claude Choles, the last World War I combat veteran, died on the overnight of May 4th, 5th, at age 110 in Perth, Australia. The only other surviving veteran is said to be Britain's Florence Green, who served with the Royal Air Force in a non-combat role as a mess waitress, now age 110 as well. Celebrity obituaries include Arthur Lawrence, the playwright behind the musicals West Side Story, and Gypsy, died May 5th from pneumonia complications at his Manhattan home. He was 93. So says the New York Times. He spent the majority of his career, 65 years, writing and directing plays. Other celebrity obituaries include May 3rd, Jackie Cooper, actor, TV director, producer, and exec, died at the age of 88 after a short illness. He was a child actor who made the transition to an adult career. He found renewed fame in the 1970s and 80s as Daily Planet editor Perry White in the Superman film series starring Christopher Reeve. April 26th, Phoebe Snow, who suffered a cerebral hemorrhage more than a year earlier and slipped into a coma, died at the age of 60. The singer, songwriter, and guitarist was best known for her chart-topping 1975 hit, Poetry Man. And April 17th, Michael Sarazen, who starred opposite the likes of Jane Fonda, Barbara Streisand, and Paul Newman in highly regarded films of the 1960s and 70s, died in his native Canada after a brief battle with cancer. He was 70. He shot to fame in 1969's They Shoot Horses, Don't They? I'm Ian Rose. Thanks very much, Ian. We appreciate you bringing us up to date on the obituaries, as always, and uh, Ian always has that good information for us. We're going to end our show now. We want to remind you one more time how you can reach us. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightside.com. So stop by and visit our website. Drop us an email. Let us know how you like our shows, what you think of what we're covering on our shows. And if you have any suggestions, we sure want to hear from you. That's all the time we have on our show today. Until next time, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. Thanks for joining us, folks, and we look forward to having you with us again next time.